Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about Let's Talk Trans, Perspectives of Transitioning Later in Life is Ellie Lother. Ellie is the founder of TransAware and CEO of Essential Learning Curve, which provides support and education around diversity issues within prison estates, schools, healthcare, and the private sector. Ellie transitioned at age 45 and has supported many people in transition of all ages. Ellie has some interesting perspectives that affect those transitioning later in life in a different way than those who transition younger. Pulling apart some of the threads of transitioning can be helpful for anyone who doesn't totally understand trans. How are you doing today, Ellie? Hi, Jason. I'm very good. How are you? Very good. Thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started, Ellie, for those that are joining us on the live webinar today, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. So Ellie, let's talk trans, perspective of transition of transitioning later in life. Yes, yeah. Yeah, if anyone's sending any questions in, uh, I know like we live in a PC world, but I think when we give an understanding out there, if anyone's got any questions, don't worry about how you turn the question. And I think the truth stands up to all shades of light. So always happy to answer any and all questions in the best way I can. So yeah, I was really pleased uh, to be able to do this for uh, perspectives of transitioning in later life because over time I've seen a lot of people transition um, a little bit of background about myself I was I actually came out as trans in um, age 45 I'm age 54 now and when I come out is like I realized that when I grew up it was a totally different world so when I grew up if I couldn't even say to my parents or people around me how I was feeling because there was no narrative for that. This is a time pre-internet. This was a time way before mobile phones. You know, this was like in the 60s and the 1970s. Now, when I come out, I've realized, I, before I actually came out as trans, I didn't think, I didn't really give this issue much thought, obviously because it didn't affect me. But since coming out and I've seen all the issues at hand and I've seen so many instances of it, I feel as if I've got a good broad view of the landscape, if you will. So when we're looking at older people and younger people, first of all, we have to actually talk about younger people transitioning. And younger people transitioning these days, they seem to get it, you know, within the peer groups and all the information that's out there, you get all the support that's online. And, you know, if you want to know something, you can just go to the internet and, and you can find a swathe of information. But the problem with that is, when you have lots of information out there, then you've got to decide which is the right information. But the subject of trans and gender variance certainly on the um, on the on the landscape. Now, when I come out as trans, most of the people going through the gender clinics were male to female, and now all the gender clinics will tell you that most of the people going through are actually female to male. Uh, but I do work in schools. I've wrote policy for schools and. And what I'm hearing from schools is that most young people who are coming out these days are coming out as non-binary and the world in general just isn't ready for this. So it's a different world and that will move forward. And you know something, all of these isms, I think they'll disappear in 20 years time when the young people like actually start to shape this world as, as they see it, you know, because they get called the snowflakes we're basically caring about each other. But this talk isn't about young people. This talks about older people people such as myself, people who do transition later in life. So I want to sort of look into some of those issues 
to try and shed a little bit of light if that's okay. Now, I wanna start off with a concept about tolerance being the imposter of acceptance. So if you tolerate something, you, you can tolerate, you can tolerate um, a spot or you can tolerate um, a bad guitarist or, you know, you, you, we tolerate things that are outside of us that aren't part of us. But when we're looking at communities, when we're looking at fellow human beings, which is what we're talking about here, we are, the tolerance isn't, isn't where it's at. Acceptance is what we want to be aiming for. And I really feel that education is the key because, you know, it's 2020. We feel like we know everything. But do we truly? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a few things at you which maybe challenge this. And first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about what makes us as people. You know, and like I feel that our internal Google, because nobody is born with all of these fixed views that we all have and things that happen to us in life, it all affects people in different ways. So we're all truly individuals anywhere. But when we're born, our, our conscious brain, it's like it's filled with everything that's around us. That's our parents, science, culture, faith, peers. That's that's what we've got it down to. And, you know, we take all that in and we're assigned a gender at birth and we're sent out into the world and that's that. I mean, that'd be fine and dandy. But the problem is maybe for some of us, we also, well, all of us have an unconscious or a subconscious brain, if you will. I'll term it what you will. But if that's not agreeing from a gender perspective, we feel it's almost like two bits of sandpaper rubbing together. And that's explaining what gender dysphoria actually is. Now, when we're looking at this as a subject, I'm going to be touching on quite a few different parts of this from a, from a, from a perspective of, of older people going through transition and raising some of the issues that are faced. But first of all, I want to have a little run around a bit of history as well, because where I say what we know now in 2020, it truly isn't what we know. It really isn't. So, I mean, it says on the screen, when did you first become aware of gender? When, when was a groundbreaking moment in your life when you realised what your gender was? How has gender been perceived differently in the past than it is today? And you know something, I mean, full disclosure, I identify as a Christian, I identify as mixed race, and I identify as me as Ellie, and that happens to be female. So I do have a trans history, that's true, but this is who I am as a person. There are many parts to us. I see some people from faith communities maybe using their faith to, to sort of move trans people out of that area. And, and the truth of the matter is, as a Christian, I do actually do talks, let's talk trans um, Christian perspective, which, which proves with scripture and stuff that God actually loves trans people. A lot of people who follow faiths and dogmas to discriminate against other people are truly going against the actual concepts of their faith. And we really need to have a serious discussion about that. That's maybe another webinar. But I think the bigger problem with the world is that gender and sex is used as the same thing. So if you're born and you've got one set of genitalia, you're one gender. And and that isn't always the case. And if you, if you want to give me a shout afterwards and I'll do your trans 101 and that'll all be explained to you. But um, I want to show you something in time now. So where we are in 2020, it's just an open world, isn't it? Everyone's just okay, everyone's inclusive and everyone's happy. No, it isn't. Try being a trans person or try being non-binary and see if you can say them words. I want to take you back now to, um, 
but yeah, 1938. You know, some people should have movies made about them, they truly should. Helen Hullick is a person who um, I only found out about her by doing some research. In 1938, she was actually going to court. She was a witness in a burglary trial. And when she went to court, she wore slacks because that's what she usually wore. The judge said to her, you can't be wearing those in here. And she was having none of it. She said, this is ridiculous. The judge abandoned the court for a week and then went back a week later and she went with the same clothes. She says, what do you want to do? Wear, wear my prom dress or wear a ball gown. This is, these are my clothes. This is what I'm wearing. And the judge again sent her home and said, if you come back tomorrow like that, you'll know about it. She went back tomorrow and she was making a statement because it was just a ridiculous way to treat women and clothing, really. She was put into prison for five days. The picture on the left there is Helen as she, as she was. And the picture on the right there is actually Helen giving her statement, giving her, you know, her stuff in a, in a prison dress. It's absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Now, these days, I'm sure that you can, you, you can go into the workplace as a female wearing trousers and wearing clothes which are just clothes and nobody will raise an eyebrow. But if a gentleman was to walk into an office environment wearing a nice dress and a pair of kitten heels, it'd all be like, Oh, has, has anyone told HR which toilets do they use and do we start calling them a different name? What is the difference? You see, us as human beings, we are almost like we are, we were almost slaves to our own internal Google. And when you get to know more people, then you realize that the world's a lot bigger than you think it is. Now, when we're looking at people in this way, like as a trans person who transitioned later in life, I recognize that there's a massive problem for older trans people that nobody's talking about. And I feel this problem and this hurdle is a thing that we do to ourselves. It's where we beat ourselves. There's almost like an internalized transphobia. And if you can understand that, try putting yourself in a position where you've tried to fit in all of your life and you've believed what's being fed to you and your own feelings of your gender have just been put aside because you've wanted to buy into the world that was presented to you. And, you know, when you're in that position, you've got to think to yourself that as you're moving forward, like this is going to, this is going to be a hurdle where you are a victim of your own attack. And, and people get that. Isolation is a massive issue for most people who are older. Try adding the issues around being trans to that when you could possibly be disowned by your family members just for being who you are. So I've known people who've lost their jobs. I know people who've been homeless. I actually became homeless at one point. You know, I've got quite a checkered history of dysfunction behind me personally. You know, like full disclosure, when I was like, I, I never knew. I never knew I had gender issues until I was a teen, until puberty hit. At that point, growing up, I don't think I grew up as a little boy, if you will. I don't even know what that means. But uh, I remember my dreams and all of my dreams, you know, I imagine little boys and girls, little boys, sorry, are dreaming of being like like cowboys and, and army men and all that type of stuff. In my dreams, I was in the Western films, but I was the damsel being tied to the rail tracks and Audie Murphy was coming to rescue me. <laughs> you know, that was, that was my, they were my dreams as a child, seriously. So like I, I just got I just got stuck into my school and I left school with about 
A plus in everything. I was one of the top students in my school. The time for me when that groundbreaking moment came, that sandpaper feeling, was when I hit puberty. Getting changed in a room full of boys was the most traumatic thing I could even think of at that time. And obviously, I didn't know what the problem was because as far as I was concerned, trans wasn't the thing. Couldn't go and Google it those days. Internet didn't exist. You know, some people these days, I think, don't even think there was a world when the internet didn't exist, but there truly was. So, like, moving forward, I just, like, you just try and fit in. Now, all them years of trying to fit in, they have a cost on a person, and that cost can be dysfunctions that come out in other areas. It can affect your mental health. It can affect so many different ways. And then when a person comes out as trans, if you, can, if you can't afford to pay for your own health care, and in the UK you go through the National Health Service, you're waiting maybe two to three years before you even get your first appointment. The world isn't a good place for, for people like me. It truly isn't. And, you know, like I think understanding them sort of things can go us a bit forward to actually understanding a bit more. I want to touch on now, I'm going to go a bit further back in time as well, but I've got more to say here. So we're going to go back there. So like and when I do my training sessions, I always chuck this up and I say, right, tell me which one of these is the girl. And obviously it's a trick question because they're all boys, plainly. You can see they're all boys, surely. No? Well, yeah, they're all boys. The one on the right's actually uh, President Roosevelt. Uh, but that was just the way of it then. Back in the 1920s, blue was a colour for boys, pink was a colour for girls. There's been different realities going on over time. We've got a snapshot of today. When I do do my sessions, I go back to before Christianity and way back even before then, when we're looking at trans identities to educate people, to show people that we aren't a new thing. You know, we really aren't a new thing, but I understand because now the focus now is very much on trans identities and non-binary identities, that it's maybe getting more exposure. But with this, we have to remember a few extra things on the side. So if you're, if you're a parent of a trans person who comes out, then you might possibly very likely feel elements of grief, uh, thinking that your, your child isn't going to be the person you thought they were. If you're a parent who's older who comes out as trans, then you've got to live with the fact that you've got children who may feel a sense of abandonment because, because the, the person they grew up with isn't there anymore. The fact of the matter is, when we work through this, I'm now a much better parent than I was pre-transition because now I'm actually a capable person. If you've got a friend who's trans, and it could be a lifelong friend, and suddenly they come out as trans, then what's going to happen there? Are you going to think that their friendship was a lie? Was it built on deceit? Because that happens. You know, it truly does. We get discriminated from faith groups. We get discriminated from all areas of life. And we do see some like big corporates putting signs out about we're being okay to be trans and all that. And that's brilliant. But most trans people I know don't live in the big corporate world. They live on the streets and they live in the communities. And when you get sort of an outcast in your own community, then you can see how that can impact on your mental health as well. And as we're getting older, you know, like one thing I cover when I do do my training is we talk about age. Because as you get older, like, like doors close for you. You know, in life in general, you know, then you're not as dynamic as you used to be. And then when you're losing all of your, well, a percentage of your friends and family, and it, it hurts even more, it really does. I think people just need to realise that 
us as people, there's more to us than just the label that you see. You know, I'm going to touch on something in a moment, which is going to be, you might be a little bit shocked, to be fair. Um, but uh, we'll see, we'll see when we get there. Uh, one other thing I want to do is, um, all right, so we're on this slide now. But before we do this slide, I want to touch on autism because I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, there was two studies I'm aware of. The one from Finland showed that 26% of people um, who took this study were on the transgender spectrum were also diagnosed on the autism spectrum. I personally run a diversity group in an autism college. And the amount of people I've supported, young people who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum, is massively spiked. So many more people. So, you know, when we're dealing with people who are on the autistic spectrum, we have to remember that, you know, they do understand the concept of gender identity. And, you know, sometimes when people may be prone to having meltdowns, if we actually allow someone to explore their gender and deal with their gender identity, then that's one of them rocks that isn't going to be in that bag of meltdowns, you know, and that space creates space for potential uh, for that person to grow in life and move forward. I've seen it happen over and over again, so I know it can happen in that way. Now, why that affects older people is because the likes of me and the likes of people older than me, bear in mind the oldest person I've supported was a 78-year-old in a care home setting who just wanted to be true to themselves before they passed away. Being your true self actually means something, and people need to remember that. So when we're looking at this, in the days when we grew up, people who were on the autism spectrum then weren't diagnosed on the autism spectrum because it wasn't a thing back then. Now it truly is. But if you're going through transition and you're older in life, going for a diagnosis for to be on the autistic spectrum is not what you're going to be doing. It really isn't. I'm telling you now, when we go to the doctors, we go to the doctors about our transition. That's what we do. We don't go talking about other things at all. You know, and it is, literally, it is literally just a case of, you know, like we don't want anything to hinder our path because we know that there's so many inequalities there facing us. Community is really important as well. But what community is, is a massive thing. A little touch on diversity and inclusion before I do the reveal with the picture. Is, um, is this, like somebody asked me recently, um, they were saying about equality and diversity and inclusion, and it says, like, how would I sum up diversity and inclusion in, a, in an easy to understand way? And for me, diversity is basically everybody that is not you. Everybody that is not you. So diversity is basically everybody. You could have a twin, you could have a lifelong friend, their life experience is different from yours. So take that as read. What inclusion is, is actually taking steps to include people. You know, so if we're having a party, everyone's at the party, not just some people are just at the door and some people are looking through the window. You know, and once we're all sat around the table, then we can actually communicate properly. Because I see in life, you know, I see, I see a lot of activists on either side of the camp on the political camp where trans is concerned even. And there's a term called TERF, which stands for Trans Exclude and Radical Feminist. And there's a term called TRA, which is a trans rights activist. They're the terms that I, I'm aware that the people use. I don't want to use them terms and label anyone with any of those terms, but you may have heard those terms out there. So I see 
one type of people on one side, one people on the other side, and they seem to be throwing rocks at each other because the trans people are feeling injured, I'm telling you that now. And so like it ends up going into an argument. The general public looks at this and the general public just sees a rabble arguing. There is no peace and there is no solution there. I'm sure I know that there is a radical middle road. That means everyone's included. And sooner or later, we're gonna take this radical middle road and then everyone will be included. Right, so why I say, what does a trans person look like? Normally on my sessions, I take my emotional support guitar, Sammy, but I don't think this is the right place for my guitar. So, uh, so what I'm gonna say is this, when I do take my guitar for this, on this, I play a little bit of the Jesse J song, where I say, everybody look to the left, everybody look to the right. So, if you're looking to the left or if you're looking to the right, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to imagine if that person told you they identify as the opposite gender than you're looking at. And what I want you to do is I want you to identify how that would make you feel, that split-second realisation, if that was the truth of the situation. Now, I would never use anybody else's picture in, in to, to explain this to you because I don't think it's right. And I see some organizations who are like people who the support, they'll put the picture up front and center. And I'd like to say to those organizations, if it's trans people, please bear in mind that as we are transitory people, in five years, 10 years time, and our transition may be complete, we may not want that media to exist. So, so always make sure that safeguarding is at your heart because I see, I see some instances of that that are questionable. But I say this because I use my own picture, so I don't have to ask anyone's permission, to be fair. So that was me pre-transition. Okay, so me pre-transition, I've always been trans. I told you earlier on, when I was a child, I obviously I was always being rescued by Audie Murphy. As an adult, I was uh, there was a show in the UK called Shameless. I think it was um, remade in America. But in the UK version, I was always getting married to Jamie who ran the pub. <laughs> you know, Tara Palmer Tompkinson was my best mate, my dream for years, so many. But all of my dreams were all from a female perspective. I just couldn't make sense of who I was. You know, maybe it's a chromosomal thing because I don't have an Adam's apple. But there, that's another thing about intersex people, which is an, a whole new webinar once again, to be fair. So I went through life, and because I wasn't able to understand me, I wasn't able to deal and facilitate myself. So from there, I went through a dysfunctional life. I ended up being a runaway at 15 year old and and lots of really bad things happened to me. I was found 400 miles away from home and that was small stuff I couldn't talk about. Um, I was uh, I discovered recreational drugs and, and spent many years of my life in that cloud to block me out. You know, when we're looking at older people in transition, we have to remember that when we see the person in front of us whose body has physically aged in the gender that they were assigned at birth, they have finally overcome all of this, all of the societal and cultural and all of this internal Google that's been fed in because this one life is really, really important to us. So then we are brave enough and, and, and to stand up and actually do this. When I was first considering my transition, I wrote lists positives and negatives. And there was a big list of negatives. But on the positive side, there was just one word. And that one word was me. 
And when you say the truth stands up to all shades of light, if our life means anything, it's about being our authentic selves. So, you know, so anybody who you see out there, and you may not think they look like the gender that they actually are, that doesn't mean that you need to go up and bully them and discriminate them and, and call names and, and misgender and dead name. You can just try and do a little bit of work on yourself and realize that the world has always been changing, you know, and like the persons who don't change with the world, they're the ones who always end up being extinct, aren't they? Similar with businesses, I work with businesses now to keep them ahead of the curve where um, inclusion is concerned. In the UK, non-binary has just been confirmed as being a protected characteristic within the Equality Act. Businesses aren't ready for this. I've been telling them for ages and they're still not ready for it. The world's changing and we must change with it if we're going to grow into a safe, more inclusive society. That word me reminds me of a quote that I actually came up with. And it was when we set up the charity TransAware, we started with a hashtag of free to be me. And I come up with this quote that every one of us can be bullied or discriminated for being who we are, dependent on the audience, until we're all totally free to be ourselves. We're never going to create this safe, more inclusive world that benefits us all. Because this world isn't just you and this world isn't just me, but this world is everybody and it's a massive jigsaw. And we all hold a piece of this jigsaw. So do you actually want people in this world to, for their jigsaw piece to, be, piece to be pixelated or shaded out? Or do you want everyone to show their own true colours and then just move forward in a really more inclusive world? I feel we're getting there. We've got a long, long way to go. And it's about encouraging the young people to take this world forward. Right, so... I'm happy to connect if you want to connect. And thank you very much, Jason, for letting me have this chat. Like when I do a session, they're normally, like our sessions are like, they're a lot longer than this. So I hope I've got enough relevant points in there. But if people want to connect, I'm very happy to um, just drop me an email, elliotessentiallearningcurve.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Ellie Lowther, and um, our website's essentiallearningcurve.com. So thank you very much, and thanks for the opportunity as well, Jason, to actually have this chat. And I'm, and I'm sure any bits that I've missed, you might have a question for me, hopefully, because no, I would absolutely. have missed a bit, to be fair. Absolutely, we do have a, we do have a few questions, Ellie. Uh, first question: What advice could you give to family or friends for somebody that's transitioning? Right. So I'd say one. Well, first thing is never say never. Um, my, in my own experience, when I first came out as trans, um, I have four children and two of my children were on board from day one and two weren't. And my daughter, um, I actually got a card off her one year just saying, I wish you'd come to your senses, Dad, we miss you. And, and I knew I couldn't, you know, because I knew who I was was actually who I am. And I couldn't go back to pretending to be someone I wasn't. But you know something? She's now in my life and now she's a massive supporter and, and I'm so proud of her and she's so proud of me. Family members will misgender occasionally. You've got to remember that it's maybe took you a long time to come out to work yourself out. So we can't expect everybody else to, to get it straight away. But having open conversations and having the intent to get it right, it's, it's really, really important. One little point on that as well, you know, is 
I was speaking with a parent who who felt a sense of grief because the child transitioned. And then six months later, when the when the child had actually socially fully transitioned, the same parent contacted me and said that like the, the now they're so pleased that they've got a complete child rather than like like knowing they've got a child that had issues that they didn't know how to deal with. So just remember that actually being in transition is it's actually a positive thing. And if somebody explores their agenda and they end up back at square one, then what you get there is you get a more level-headed human being. If if you if you've not if you don't know any trans people in your life, then maybe you should. If you have a friend who comes out to you as non-binary, say to them, "What does non-binary mean to you?" Because it just means it's it's an individual thing. But I think families need to just remember to not be too hard on themselves as well. Because when a person transitions, everyone around them transitions, but the people around them didn't know it was going to happen. So we have to give a bit of time to adjust and hopefully move forward in a positive sense. I do actually talk to, if there's families who are struggling to understand trans, please link up with me on LinkedIn, drop me an email, and I'm happy to I'm happy to do a Zoom call to, to have a bit of a one-to-one, -one, just, to, just to help answer any questions that you might have. Um, I've done that quite a lot, to be fair. Where is society now as far as being inclusive today versus down the road? What do you see? Um, imagine the sea coming in and out. <laughs> that's that's about it, to be fair. Wow. In some areas, you see young people today, they don't, they don't have an issue. And as generations go forward, we have to look at the past. And I don't blame people from the past for having the views that they have because they were brought up in a time when that was their world and their reality. So like, it's, I think what I would say to people is, please learn your history. There's so many people that there should be movies about that you're never gonna see because they're in this area of life, you know, some like proper heroes. And you, and like, I mean, who'd, who'd heard of Helen Ollick before today? I guarantee very few people watching this podcast would have done. And like, and she actually, if you look into her deeper thing, she did a lot for the deaf society as well, you know. But what I'd say with society is, is we are moving forward. And I do sessions on how to create social change, and I actually use the punk rock markers um, as a model for that. Um, I got an interview with Angie from there. And when you're looking at this, you know, we have to realise that the world is changing, and we have to realise that we change with it. But when we see the young people. I had to sit on my show and they said to, on my radio show and they said to me, Ellie, why do the older people call us a snowflake generation just because we care about each other? And that was such a profound thing they said to me. And I realized on that day that all of these isms are going to disappear. 15, 20 years down the road, hold tight. They're going to disappear. And anyone who's out there who's struggling with gender issues, and if anyone who's out there who's walking the walk and walking in transition and facing the barrage of abuse that some of us get. We see you, we want to raise you up, because you know something, in life, people being their true self is actually quite a rare thing. And that's one thing you can't say about trans people. So I applaud anybody who actually takes it upon themselves to be their full authentic self, whoever that may be. Does that make sense a little bit? Absolutely. Last question, Ellie. If you could have a conversation with your younger self, what would you say? Well, I'd have told myself not to, I'd have told myself not to run away from home, that's for certain. Uh, 
I was actually, um, like I've mentioned this to you before when we've chatted, I was actually abducted by the um, serial jackal Robert Black. And um, I was silent and I, and I, and I, I got out. And, um, you know, so I think, so first thing I'd have told myself that. But I think to tell myself as a younger person, I think I'd have told myself that I don't need to seek other people's approval to be me and maybe do some work on being me. And I'd have probably told myself to be a lot kinder to myself as well. But like, thankfully, that's where my faith comes in. Because like two things in life I can't change about myself. And one is, is I'm a Christian and the other one is that I'm trans and I wouldn't want to change them either. So I feel that my faith has actually carried me through so much in life, it truly has. So I, I think as well, I'm a great believer in serendipity. So when we look at serendipity, it's almost a case of everything happens for a reason. Um, I feel as if I have a calling. Uh, and I, I spoke to the moderator of the local church when I lived um, in a different place and, and it became clear that that calling wasn't going to be realized because of that moderator's view of trans people. Mm. But like John Lennon said, life's what happens when you make plans to do things. So I think my calling is to do what I'm doing now. But if I didn't have all of the experiences, if I, I mean, in my twenties, if I, I looked down the barrel of a son of shop, but at one point I had a really dysfunctional life. If I didn't have all of my experiences from the past, I wouldn't have the wisdom and the discernment to be able to interact and have an objective view. Now, I don't think, but you know, all the people that have been really, really, um, like maybe guilty of causing some of this harm over the years. I have nothing but forgiveness for every one of them because I realize as a human being that holding anything but forgiveness would make me bitter and, and my life's worth too much for that. So I think that needs to be out there as well. So I thought, I suppose that could be just wrapped up in three words. Advice to my younger self, be more kind. Very good. Well, once again, Ellie, thank you for sharing your story and for all that you do. Uh, till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.